1: Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We've got a big draft weekend ahead. Let's talk position strategy next on Fantasy Baseball Today in 5. Welcome into FBT in 5. Today is Friday, March 17th. Happy St. Patrick's Day. I am Frank Stanfield joined by Scott White. And let's start off with Catcher Scott. What's your strategy?
0: My strategy at Catcher is to get one of the top nine for me at the position. It, it's a deeper It's deeper than it's been in as long as I've been playing fantasy baseball. And that depth ends, I think, with William Contreras and Sean Murphy. So particularly in a one-catcher league, I'm waiting for one of them. I'm certainly not reaching for JT Real Muto early on. Uh, but sometimes in two-catcher leagues, I'll go for Salvador Perez because I think he'll be such a standout in home runs and RBI.
1: All right, let's move over to first base. A pretty deep position this year, Scott. How do you usually handle it?
0: So this is the position where I think you can most afford to wait. And so I try and take advantage of that since there are some thin positions that need to be addressed early. Uh, And and so that usually means I'm going for a Christian Walker or Rowdy Teles type as my starter there in the middle rounds, maybe even later rounds if you're talking a shallower league. If I am able to luxuriate a little, I'll go for like a Vinny Pasquantino or a Jose Abreu a little earlier because I do think they both have high-end upside.
1: Second base, we know there's a lot of talent up top and a lot of bounce-back candidates as well. How do you usually handle second base?
0: Well, it's, I, I, I see it as the thinnest up top, but there is a lot of depth. I, I see it as a bottom-heavy position, I guess. So in deeper leagues, it's not going to feel so bad. Second base and shallower leagues is going to feel a lot worse. Uh, Jose Altuve, I think, is... Far and away the best here. Uh, I'd be willing to reach a little for him, maybe at the two-three turn, to uh, to to get a real standout at the position. Uh, but if that doesn't happen, unless I get really good value on like an Aussie Albies or Jazz Chisholm, I'm probably going to take advantage of one of those bounce back candidates. Specifically, I'm eyeing Jorge Polanco, Brandon Lau, and especially Catel Marte, whose ADP is right around two hundredth now. It's it's insane given his track record.
1: Next up is third base. Get one early or don't get one at all.
0: That's that's basically my strategy. It's the most important position this year, and my number one priority in every draft is grabbing a stud third baseman. In round two, because the only first rounder is Jose Ramirez, who goes very early. If I can get him, great. Uh, but probably not going to happen. In round two, we see Manny Machado, Rafael Devers, uh Austin Riley, Bobby Witt go off the board. Sometimes Nolan Arenado is pulled up to that point. If I'm picking late in round two, I'm certainly going to pull him up because beyond that, things get really scary, and you're probably going to have to reach for somebody with upside, and you're not going to like it. And it's, it's the position, third base, where you're most likely to get burned and just be without anyone useful all season long.
1: Shortstop is loaded with talent, Scott, but people need to remember that there are a lot of multi-position players at shortstop, so it thins out quicker than you think.
0: Yeah, eventually Tatis will be able to play the outfield, which is thinner than shortstop. Bobby Witt, third base, of course. Um, who else? Tommy Edmonds, second base. But I, I would say in shallower leagues, shortstop is, is going to feel deep. Like If there's no middle infield spot to fill, Guys like Carlos Correa and Willie Adamas might be there pretty late just because nobody wants to take him as their utility infielder. You can afford to wait a long time in those shower formats. In deeper formats, after they go, Willie Adamas and, and Carlos Correa, things start to get a little scary. I do have some upside fallbacks that I like. Ezekiel Tovar is the main one. Anthony Volpe's come along lately, but of course we don't know if he's going to have a job. Uh, so normally I, I try to grab from that, that very big tier that ranges from Xander Bogarts to Carlos Correa by ADP. And frankly, I think Correa might be better than Bogarts this year. So I'm, I'm very happy to take Correa.
1: Let's slide over to outfield. We know the first round talent is amazing, Scott. The middle, not so great. But then there are some interesting names late. So how do you handle outfield?
0: Yeah, so this is the thinnest position. It's even thinner than third base because third base, you're fine as long as you take one in round two. Outfield, there are seven clear first rounders. Maybe Mike Trout, if you play in a points league, makes it eight. And I try to get one Um, because by the time you get around 30th in my outfield rankings, there is a steep drop off. I want to have three by that point. That's usually about the time you see Taylor Ward, uh, Anthony Santander, Hunter Renfro go. I try to have three of them. I do like some late-round options like Oscar Colas and Garrett Mitchell, especially in categories leagues. But, you know, I'd rather not have to rely on them as starters.
1: All right, bring us home here, Scotty. I'm going to throw starting pitcher and relief pitcher your way. I know you've been waiting on starting pitcher. Relief pitcher, we just had a bombshell with uh, Edwin Diaz and his injury. What do you do with those two?
0: Starting pitcher is where you can most afford to wait. I keep saying it's urgent to grab all these different hitter positions. That's because I think where they're... Now that we're out of the juice ball era, that's where the scarcities lie. And uh, the middle class has returned at starting pitcher. It's very deep. Uh, and there's a lot of upside to be found within it. So I usually don't take a pitcher, a starting pitcher, until about round five. Like once that Alec Manoa, uh, Max Freed, Shane Bieber tier begins to trickle out. that's That's usually when I'll take my ace. And then I might grab... You know Tristan McKenzie or Nestor Cortez type. Maybe a Chris Sale is my number three, and then I just load up on those mid-round targets at the position. Don't need all of them to work out, but I think enough of them will that I'll be happy. I invested heavily in the hitter positions early on, specifically just some undervalued guys that I like: uh, Merrill Kelly, Miles Michaelis. Uh, Tyler Anderson and Martin Perez, they're all being drafted way below their performance last year. So I like to grab a couple of those late in my draft and then relief pitcher, you know, kind of depends on the format and points leagues. I don't invest much in it at all because nobody drafts that many. And so they're waiver wire. There's not much competition for the emerging safe sources during the season, but in roto leagues, it's a much bigger priority. I try to grab one of the eight who I feel comfortable. I feel confident are going to get 30 plus saves The last of them is usually Kenley Jansen. And then I try to grab one of David Bednar, Alexis Diaz, and Daniel Bard as a number two. And then I try to draft like a safe sleeper as a third option. Um, Maybe somebody like Jose LeClerc or Craig Kimbrell. And, And hopefully that'll give me a nice foundation to begin the year.
1: For more extensive fantasy baseball coverage, listen to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, the Odyssey app, or anywhere else podcasts are found. Thanks for listening to our first ever edition of Fantasy Baseball Today in 10. We'll be back again tomorrow. <laughs> Bye-bye. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. You're ready, Bob. Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's The feel good movie of the year. You dig? What's up? Bob Marley, one law, rated PG 13, now streaming on Paramount Plus.